This is the Daily Signal podcast for Tuesday, January 10th. I'm Virginia Allen. The relationship between America and Mexico has always been important, and maybe more so now than ever, given the crisis at our southern border and questions looming over America's economy. Biden is in Mexico right now, meeting with Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, who many refer to as AMLO. This is a meeting all of North America is watching, and today we're breaking down why. Mateo Hedar is a research assistant in Latin America in the Douglas and Sarah Allison Center for Foreign Policy Studies at the Heritage Foundation, and he joins me on the show today to discuss what is likely to happen behind the closed-door meetings of this summit and what the results could be for America. Stay tuned for our conversation after this. For over 35 years, the Heritage Foundation Job Bank has been helping conservatives at all professional levels find employment in key positions in Washington, D.C. and across the country. We can help you connect with positions in the administration, on Capitol Hill, in public policy organizations, and in the private sector. To learn more about the Heritage Foundation Job Bank, go to heritage.org slash job dash bank. President Biden traveled to Mexico Sunday night and spent Monday meeting with Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. And today, Biden is attending the Summit of North American Leaders with Obrador and Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. So why do these meetings matter and what are these leaders discussing? Here with us to answer those questions is Mateo Hedar, a research assistant in Latin America in the Douglas and Sarah Allison Center for Foreign Policy Studies here at the Heritage Foundation. Mateo, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. So we're hearing a lot about Biden this week. Biden is experiencing a lot of firsts. Of course, he traveled to the border for the first time during his presidency on Sunday, and then he took his first trip to Mexico as president that night and is still in Mexico. So talk a little bit about what some of these central issues are that Biden is discussing, first off, with uh, the president of Mexico. Yes, Virginia. So as you mentioned, you know, top line, obviously, for American interests in these summits. First, let me mention that that these are technically annual summits that occur, and and it is a great question to ask: what exactly should be coming out of these summits, or whether their importance matches the outcomes, whether expectations match the outcomes? Because as we saw, for example, in the fall of 2021, was the last time we had the summit, and little came out of it. Uh, you know, we've seen, unfortunately. AMLO uh, runs circles around the Biden administration, and and I would add uh, uh, in in Prime Minister Trudeau's case as well, their hands appear to be tied for a lack of a strategy uh, in response to a number of issues that we'll talk about. But going back to to your first question, top line American interests in these summits and in any engagement with Mexico, obviously the border crisis that is ongoing, but now we're seeing the White House trying to shift gears in terms of rhetoric and and seemingly strategy, but the policies remain the same and are likely to to remain uh, in in broad scale the the same, and and we can talk about that. Fentanyl, obviously, going through the border, so it's not just an immigration crisis, but we're seeing record numbers of fentanyl deaths, as we know well, 
And that is an issue that uh, appears to be coming up in the plans for the conversation. But again, no plan has come out in terms of shifting gears on policy to crack down on fentanyl. We can talk a little bit about the mechanics of, of the issues there, the looming kind of elephant in the room on fentanyl that everyone uh, appears to be overlooking, which is China and the predominance of Chinese companies uh, in the fentanyl trade going through Mexico, using Mexico as as a transit route. Uh, and, and there's other security issues there like illegal fisheries. Obviously, uh, you know, Mexican drug cartels as a threat to, to U.S. sovereignty and national security. It's a multi-billion dollar industry that they've managed to to carve out from Biden's border crisis. Uh, and trade, I would add, Virginia, is, is the last uh, big point where, again, the United States, unfortunately, is not taking up its, its seat and its, and its place with the Biden administration in regards to Mexico and Canada on trade. We can get more into the weeds of that, but basically, they're eating our lunch here on a number of sectors, and, and these are U.S. citizens and U.S. capital that's on the line. Uh, and so we can we can get into the weeds of that. Yeah, thank you so much for laying that out. I, I want to start with talking about the border. Obviously, uh, as we've mentioned, President Biden was at the border on Sunday. That was his first trip. He goes right from the border down to Mexico, uh, hopefully with a slightly, slightly better understanding of what exactly is happening at the border. What is the situation? And you mentioned fentanyl and that discussion taking place with the Mexican president of how do we actually get this situation under control. Um, what are the kinds of conversations that are happening? Do you think these are happening behind closed doors? So obviously, uh, we're somewhat speculating here. But what are the kinds of conversations that the president is having uh, with the president of Mexico to say, okay, this is a massive issue, the amount of fentanyl that's flooding from Mexico across the American border? What are the strategies that they could be looking at to say, we need to crack down on this, and this is how we can work together to actually get this situation under control? Right. So so the problem, again, is that we've fallen into this cycle of security task forces and several engagements with the AMLO administration since the beginning of, of the Biden White House on this, uh, but there has been no shifting of gears in terms of what the policy is to to crack down uh, on the numbers, uh, different strategies it, 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 to, to look at, particularly at transit, right, uh, through the border. We know that uh, this is, uh, fentanyl it, it gets through the border uh, in, in different ways and and a lot more in a lot more sophisticated ways often than uh, we see with other drugs that are kind of carried in, you know, with with bags, uh, for example, when when migrants uh, or, or illegal aliens in many cases have to uh, walk through the the border. Pay, they basically they pay a fee uh, to the smugglers and the fee is lowered or the benefits that they have increase in some way carrying a bag. Uh, or we see other ways of, of kind of smuggling directly uh, that, that the cartels uh, operate themselves. With fentanyl, uh, we see a number of ways. We see it kind of incorporated uh, or, or kind of hidden in 
in other legal drugs, we see uh, a rising number of American citizens actually uh, driving through the border with fentanyl. And so uh, the the issue here that, that Biden needs to be raising is one, that this is a top line priority for the administration and that it is willing to put other things on the line to crack down uh, and to make sure that the Mexican government and and uh, and its wide toolkit of, of law enforcement is being offered and 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 that they're also putting resources on the line here uh, because uh, there's a responsibility there that they that they carry. And so uh, that needs to be the message that is sent. Uh, again, the other big message is is China, right? Is mm. you cannot crack down on fentanyl without uh, having the Mexicans also take take steps to crack down on on the Chinese companies that uh, provide the precursors on the uh, transnational criminal component, also backed by the Chinese uh, by the Chinese Communist Party specifically uh, that operates in Mexico that also is widely um, predominant in the illegal fisheries uh, uh, camp as well. And there's a potential triangulation there with fentanyl. And so uh, to not talk about China in these meetings, which we've seen in the past, totally ignores a, a large part of this problem. And and again, we've fallen into kind of providing these cosmetic solutions or uh, or, or letting it kind of be handled at, at a technical level between agencies, but there isn't a plan that's being rolled out out of the White House, for example, that that elevates this as a national security threat uh, that it is. Hmm. I think that's really fascinating what you mentioned about China and the fact that if China is not talked about during this summit, that's going to raise a lot of red flags. And, and I do want to talk a little bit more about China in just a moment. But while we're on the issue of, of drugs and cartels, I do think it's really important to mention what happened shortly before Biden's visit to Mexico, that the son of uh, the drug lord El Chapo was arrested by authorities in Mexico. Uh, why exactly was this a significant move? And, and is this a sign with Mexico saying, OK, we're going to arrest this individual who is highly involved in the cartels, who's highly involved in the trafficking of fentanyl, uh, we're arresting him. Does that indicate an actual shift in the Mexican government starting to crack down on cartels? Or was that more uh, a gesture of goodwill just towards Biden and we might see this um, this drug lord released uh, just, you know, maybe even days after Biden leaves? I, I think you're you're uh, it's it's nail on the head with with uh, your comment there, Virginia, um, because if you look at the the record of of AMLO in Mexico on this in particular, first of all, there's huge concerns that also are often ignored in these summits about the influence uh, and power of uh, Mexican drug cartels, uh, you know, the, the largest drug cartels. In particular, uh, as as operators in uh, agencies of the Mexican state, uh, in Mexican politics, uh, in as as being seen as as carrying a a large influence uh, over uh, the AMLO administration, uh, frankly, in 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 many ways, and and so uh, there's also no strategy there uh, to 
to at least to mitigate that and its effects on uh, on U.S. sovereignty. Uh, huge concerns, for example, with the Mexican Institute for Migration uh, that is responsible for handling the the flow of uh, of illegal immigrants going through Mexico northbound to the United States. Huge concerns there, and reports that have come out where Mexican drug cartels play a direct role uh, in these agencies, where these agencies operate in some cases, or or, or units of these agencies, components uh, of of the larger force, uh, operate as as cartels of their own for for smuggling and trafficking, uh, and so that's an issue that that often isn't raised. But to your point about uh, the news of of the week with with the son of El Chapo, Video Guzman, uh, this is uh, part of an ongoing saga, right? Where where AMLO has shown his basically where he falls, or or, or at least the disastrous effects of his policy on security and on cracking down. On these threats, uh, we saw this in 2019 when uh, the son of El Chapo, the same uh, individual that was captured this week, uh, was actually captured by Mexican forces and then released because the the Sinaloa cartel basically launched war uh, in Culiacan uh, against Mexican law enforcement, and they basically they caved and and, and released him. Uh, now they've recaptured him. Uh, we saw a similar. Though I would say perhaps less effective and less extensive deployment of violence by the Sinaloa cartel in Culiacan, but it, that's not to basically to, to uh, reduce the importance yeah, or mitigate, to mitigate yeah. right the, the importance of, of the events in the last few days and to to underestimate you know anything that occurred. But mm-hmm. uh, we do see we saw a similar again a, a similar show of force, uh, and uh, it is. It, you know, it, despite the fact that the AMLO administration uh, has actually pl- deployed a kind of a media effort to uh, to try to explain that this isn't a gesture to Biden, that this is more than that. Uh, there's no coincidence here that in the same week uh, where Biden is is uh, preparing his first visit to Mexico, uh, that this is basically waged as a bargaining chip. Uh, on the table uh, mm-hmm. that the Mexicans can use, right? As the United States prepares a case for extradition, to request extradition of this individual, the Biden administration needs to make clear here that this is not negotiable, right? That this is an individual that, uh, like his father, uh, follows a similar trajectory and, and has a similar record. Uh, and therefore, the United States is not in a position to have to to leverage uh, or, or, or basically have to have to uh, try to negotiate with the Mexicans on a request for extradition that is mutually beneficial for the United States and for Mexico. There's bigger issues here on the table. And you're right. It is a lingering question as to what will happen if mm-hmm. the extradition uh, case does not go through. Uh, but I think the administration needs to be clear there that uh, and also using, you know, media efforts to to make this clear to uh, the Mexican public. There's a, there's a huge public diplomacy component uh, that we often underestimate uh, in these trips, especially uh, for the local population. Um, to give you another example, there, for example, uh, Biden and Trudeau landed uh, this week in a New Mexican airport uh, in the outskirts of the capital that AMLO. Uh, recently launched. It was a very controversial project for a number of reasons uh, and controversial in within the Mexican populace. Uh, but what you saw with 
that kind of uh, that small detail of of the itinerary, right, uh, is uh, a kind of a, a subtle endorsement that AMLO tried to secure for a local project from the president of the United States. And so you're seeing uh, a potentially similar uh, situation with um, on the security front with with the son of El Chapo. Uh, and Biden should leverage that to, to ensure, one, that again, that the extradition goes through, uh, and two, that uh, this doesn't have some kind of effect on um, the United States' ability to leverage uh, other security issues on, on fentanyl and, and uh, again, the, the dynamic industries that the cartels are, are profiting from based on, on open border policies. Hmm. And with the summit of North American leaders uh, kicking off today, we have Biden and, and Obrador and Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau sitting down. We know, and as you've mentioned, one of the conversations that they're going to be having is around economics, is around trade and those issues. What would you like to see them address and talk about? And, and what do you think are some of those likely economic issues that, uh, that they're going to say, we have to talk about this? Yeah, so uh, this has also garnered a lot of attention, especially from those following Mexico, at least, uh, in the last year. Uh, and it's another point, Virginia, where AMLO has leverage here uh, without need because the United States is in a position to leverage uh, tariffs and, and, uh, and other uh, you know, points uh, there uh, uh, on the diplomacy front. Uh, and and in the highly dynamic economic relationship uh, with AMLO, as we saw, for example, with the Trump administration that leveraged tariffs on AMLO to uh, see cooperation and results, uh, you know, follow on on immigration, on and on trade, right, with the USMCA. Now, what we're seeing, unfortunately, is AMLO in in his basically in in his pursuit of of a of an ideological agenda domestically, uh, waging war on U.S. investors, particularly in the energy sector, uh, in a number of agricultural uh, commodity sectors. Uh, we've seen tariffs that have been raised and and that are expected to to follow also in the next few months in 2023. Uh, we're seeing a uh, an outright protectionist policy, not even for Mexican industry, Virginia, but for the Mexican state to take over uh, large sectors of the energy uh, industry of electricity uh, and, and oil in particular are, are the two big sectors at play here uh, at the expense of domestic and foreign investors, uh, importantly here from, from the United States and Canada. Uh, and so uh, all of this in many ways to, to fund uh, AMLO's uh, domestic uh, social agenda uh, as he builds a political base for the long term here. We're seeing here another issue, for example, uh, on the energy front in particular is uh, AMLO is expected to request that the Biden administration provide funds here or, or release funds through development banks where the United States has leverage uh, for state-run clean energy projects or so-called clean energy projects in northern Mexico. Uh, again, to subsidize the Mexican state uh, in this case as it wages war, a, a trade war essentially, uh, or a one-sided trade war uh, against uh, U.S. investors and U.S. citizens uh, the, in this case would totally undermine 
uh, broader U.S. interests and 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 is totally one-sided, right? There would be no result that comes out of that other than to keep pushing an ideological agenda. But again, it, we can't underestimate just the the impact of this for uh, major U.S. trade interests. This is a a top three trading partner, right, uh, for the United States, uh, and so and especially with with investors and. Uh, American companies along U.S. border states that are highly affected by this uh, in the oil sector and others, uh, we need to see a reversal of of policy by AMLO, basically providing guarantees to U.S. companies that the Mexican bureaucratic apparatus won't be used against them. By the way, uh, circumventing Mexican law to overregulate, to basically not provide licenses and permits. Uh, and to stop them from uh, operating in these sectors. Um, the looming question here in terms of President Biden and, and Prime Minister Trudeau is whether they will move forward with using USMCA prescribed protocols uh, to uh, take action uh, against uh, AMLO's clear violations of uh, of the USMCA Uh and, and violations of, quite frankly, of Mexican law in some cases uh, against uh, American investors. But again, that has been slow rolled for over a year, in large part because of the immigration issue. And so basically the perception there is that uh, the Biden administration, uh, to secure some kind of cooperation uh, from AMLO on immigration, even though that clearly isn't reflected in the overall numbers, he's basically been willing to delay any action on the Mexican state's uh, interventionism here on trade. We may uh, see that that change again going into a new year post midterms. Uh, but again, there hasn't been uh, a, a clear message uh, sent here that this is top of uh, a, a, another top line concern and that the United States again is willing to leverage um, it tariffs as well, or or it, the tools at its disposal, basically, to show that we're the bigger player that we are here. Hmm. Mateo, we've heard that there are expectations that these leaders are going to talk about how uh, North America can start to cut back on its dependence on China, specifically in relation to this issue of trade. Do you have any expectation that there will be some sort of concrete solution that these three leaders come to, some sort of strategy of how they are going to strategically cut back on trade with China? Yeah, there are another uh, a number of avenues, Virginia, that they might take here. AMLO is clearly capitalizing on this uh, as a as a concern uh, for for the within the American public and and and, and as, as part of the debate in the United States. Uh, on the China front, uh, basically to make requests of the Biden administration, uh, particularly, as I mentioned, on the clean er- energy front. Uh, and he's framing that as a uh, China competition uh, angle, uh, interestingly so. Uh, and also on uh, support for semiconductor supply chain, uh, nearshoring and reshoring, uh, and for basically finding a way to plug Mexico into the shift of 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 uh, of supply chain development for 
semiconductors uh, it, stateside, uh, which we're seeing a push uh, from the Biden administration uh, and from Congress in particular on uh, on this issue. Uh, they may find a way to, uh, again, to develop some kind of formal agreement uh, with uh, within the USMCA framework, uh, or they may be pushing for some kind of subsidy also, again, to, to plug Mexican industry into this trade uh, and to kind of expand overall investment on semiconductors within Mexico. The concern here is that uh, again, that AMLO doesn't make a request uh, that follows through, particularly if, it, if it's costing uh, the U.S. taxpayer dollar, and and particularly also if there's alternatives that are more cost effective uh, and still within the parameters of you know the top line concern of of U.S. national security, right? Whether that's uh, reshoring um, here at home or finding other partners uh, in the region that may be more more cost effective. Mexico is well positioned to uh, benefit from uh, the shifting of supply chains from China. Uh, again, as, as a top line option there for cooperation on, on the China front. Uh, the issue here, again, has been AMLO's policies on the domestic front, right? So if there aren't any guarantees uh, for US investors on this front, what we don't want to see is the Biden administration uh, release some kind of of plan that subsidizes the Mexican state here in some way, uh, without instead one you know looking out for for U.S. investors uh, as uh, as the the partner of choice here, uh, but also uh, you know ensuring that the uh, AMLO administration is providing guarantees uh, of reforms and of. Uh, on on the legislative side, but also on the on the regulatory front, to ensure that investors are in a uh, market friendly environment uh, to compete and to know that uh, the rules of the game won't be changing every one or two years. So that's the biggest challenge there in terms of economic composition with China. There's other issues at play that again that often get overlooked uh, and that shouldn't. I mentioned uh, illegal and unregulated. Uh, fishing is a huge issue also for Mexico. Uh, Huawei and uh, telecommunications uh, as a sector and, and, and digital transformation efforts that China is pushing all over the region. Uh, Mexico is no exception. And there's a bigger risk there with Mexico because of, of its size and also the size of its market, but also its proximity, obviously, to the United States. We saw, uh, if, if, if you look at you know other instances of of U.S. Uh, great power competition and of kind of looming threats from the Soviet Union and others uh, in the past. They've looked to Mexico as a as a hub uh, for for espionage uh, and for uh, intelligence gathering, uh, and so that shouldn't escape the conversation in terms of considering uh, the the. The advances on on the telecommunications front with mm-hmm. Huawei projects, uh, and again, on our end, having uh, some kind of 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 an alternative that is considered in these projects, and and that mm-hmm. is again a- at least uh, discussed by the president of the United States, right, sure. as a sign of leadership. 
Well, Matteo, it's going to be really fascinating to see what are the actual end results that come out of this summit and what are the steps that uh, that the president of, of the United States, of course, and of Mexico and the Prime Minister of Canada actually take as a result of this. But Matteo, we really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Virginia. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. If you have not had the chance before, check out our evening show right here in your podcast feed where we bring you the top news of the day. Also, make sure to take the time to subscribe to the Daily Signal wherever you get your podcast. We love hearing your feedback, seeing your rating and reviews, and it really helps us spread the word and get the message out to more and more listeners. Thanks again for joining us today. Have a great Tuesday, and we'll see you right back here at 5 p.m for our top news edition. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen, Samantha Asheris, and Jillian Richards. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit dailysignal.com.